Story today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Before we get started today, I want to give a very big thank you to all of the listeners who helped us reach our goal, our fundraising goal for spring. I can't tell you how excited I was on Saturday morning to see the tweet storm come out when we actually hit that $275,000 goal. Remember, that money that you are giving us is an investment, an investment in the independent journalism that you hear here on NPR and WDET, and it's an investment in the kinds of spaces we create here on Detroit Today, where we are able to talk with each other about a great many things in a civil manner, sometimes disagreeing, but never getting after each other the way you hear on some other media, getting to sort of the deeper parts of the subject matter that uh, we talk about here. And so, again, thank you very much to everybody who helped us reach that $275,000 goal. Uh, you can also always be giving to WDET. You don't have to wait for the fundraiser. You can go to WDET.org and renew your support or give for the first time. We love first-time members around here. A little later in the show, we're going to talk to legendary Detroit musician Don Was about an upcoming concert here in Detroit, uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of The Last Waltz. We're going to hear from him why that's so important, why he's coming home to do that concert. We'll also hear from Representative Maxine Waters, who was in town last week, uh, talking about her opposition to Donald Trump and, of course, the reaction to that opposition, which has been quite notable, uh, very telling about a lot of different kinds of tensions here in the United States. But first, more than $100,000 is missing from the State House Republican Campaign Committee's fund from the last election. That is the biggest error in campaign finance reports in memory, according to the Michigan Bureau of Elections. Michigan House Republican leaders now face fines and questions over how they lost track of that money. Michigan Public Radio Network State Capitol Bureau Chief Rick Pluta broke the story last week with the help of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Rick Pluta joins us now to talk more about it. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hello, how are you? Uh, pretty good. You? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, let's talk about that number, $100,000 missing. What, what what does that mean that it's missing? Does it, Is this money that came in and can't be accounted for in terms of where it came from? Or is it money that was spent and they don't have records to show how or where it was spent? The latter. That, you know, normally when we talk about campaign finance and, and, and reporting and disclosure, we talk about where it's coming from, who right. is trying to influence the process. We know that that's somewhat uh, where it came from because actually – uh, you know, a lot of the money comes from um, wealthy Republican donors like Jim Nicholson and the DeVos family. But a lot of it comes from other political funds that get money actually from from other wealthy donors and other political funds. And it's just kind of a big shell game of uh, moving around. But what we're talking here is um, that, that that internally, when someone looked at the bank account, they found that there was $100,000 that was in the campaign finance reports that wasn't reflected in the bank account, meaning we don't know 
how it was spent, which means that we don't know what vendors, ad buys, targeted races that was maybe spent on, or if maybe it was somehow misspent, which is why House Speaker Tom Leonard, the top Republican in the State House, has ordered an audit of the House Republican Campaign Committee Fund. So, so how does something like this happen? I mean, uh, you have covered politics for a long time in this state, uh, as have I. Uh, you know how meticulous, especially the party campaigns, are for uh, these these kinds of activities. They tend to keep track, very close track of mm-hmm. all of it. So so how does something like this happen in in such a large instance? Well, we don't know and that's part of the mystery here because ca- errors in campaign finance reports are are not unusual. That right. that certainly happens. The people have to file amended statements and it's it's no big deal. What's unusual here is first of all the size of the number that it's just it's just so big. I mean, it was it was half the money that um, that they were supposed to have in um, they were supposed to have in the bank. And the other thing is that these campaign funds have people who are employed full time fundraising and keeping track of the filings and making sure that they're accurate and and they're legal. And so one of the things that's really surprised people in in Lansing uh, is how something like this could happen when supposedly there are so many controls on the system. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. Uh, I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm talking with Rick Pluta, State Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. We're talking about a story that Rick did last week with the help of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network, uh, about $100,000 that is missing from the State House Republican Campaign Committee's fund from last election, uh, the largest error in campaign finance reports in memory, according to the Michigan Bureau of Elections. We're also going to talk about Justin Amash, uh, the representative, the congressional representative from the west side of the state uh, this weekend, uh, Republican officials, uh, some campaign Republican officials were talking about whether they ought to take a primary shot at Justin Amash in 2018. We're also going to talk about Burt Johnson, uh, the state senator from here in the Detroit area, uh, who may be in some trouble with uh, a state and federal investigation into his office. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Call, tell us what you think about $100,000 going missing from the state House Republican campaign committee's fund. Uh, What does that tell us? What does that tell us about uh, campaign finance laws here in the state of Michigan? Uh, Rick, I want to ask you about the consequences for for something like this Mm -hmm. and and whether those consequences look different because we're in the state of Michigan, which is one of the more lax states when it comes to uh, campaign finance rules and and uh, governing. Uh, if, if you did this in another state, would you maybe be in more trouble? Uh, you know, I'm not in a position to say, and I think part of it depends, maybe even all of it depends, just on what gets uncovered. First, by this internal Republican audit. Remember, this is an audit that's being conducted by the Republican uh, uh, the House Republican Caucus on the House Republican Caucus. We don't know if state elections officials will call for um, 
you know, their own inquiry into what happened. And once we find out what happened, then we'll know, you know, if laws were broken, which laws were broken, and, and, and how serious um, all of that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, another thing that's I, I think worth pointing out here, just because you uh, mentioned it when you talk about, you know, the state of our campaign finance laws, is that this isn't, and I want to give a shout out to my reporting partner in this, Craig Mogger over at the Michigan Campaign Finance Network, because we kind of put our heads and skill sets together to try and, and, and figure out what was going on. That this wasn't, I, I had just heard that, that, that this was a problem, but it wasn't that any, anything that was reflected in the official reports that, um, you know, we actually had to work sources who, one of whom suggested, here's how to find the communications that will lead you to what happened. But just by looking at what's just regularly, normally, legally filed, there was absolutely no evidence of it. That we had to file a Freedom of Information Act request to, uh, get the information to uncover it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. Uh, Rick, I want to pivot here to the subject of Justin Amash. Over the weekend, <laughs> Trump administration official tweeted that he should be primaried by the Republicans yeah. in 2018. Now, the president has said uh, that his disappointment over the Freedom Caucus, which which uh, Justin Amash is a member, uh, mm-hmm. his disappointment over their opposition to his reform of the Health Reform Act was going to have consequences, and that one of them might be that he would try to take some of them out in primaries. I I sort of wanted to say to him in this case, uh, good luck, because uh, this has been tried before, right? <laughs> With it has Justin been tried Amash before, twice before. Didn't and, work. And, uh, survived uh, primaries, and and Justin Amash's uh, reaction was uh, kind of a you know bring it on, and he uh, coined a word for it, the Trump establishment, which uh, <laughs> he says is. Uh, Still, just a combination of Donald Trump, the uh, Republican establishment that uh, takes on the you know regularly takes on the libertarian wing of the Republican of the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, what's what's interesting about uh, uh, Representative Amash in in this case is that you know his district is is probably a little more Democratic. Uh, than some of the other uh, Republican districts in the state. And I've always thought that— In, in, in West Michigan. In West Michigan, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, it's a solid Republican district. But, right, but, right. Yeah. But he's it's got a fair number of Democratic voters. And I've always thought that the the, the more dangerous uh, threat to him might come from a Democrat who could, who could reach over into the center and pull Republican— Votes. The idea that you could yank that district, I guess, further to the right, though, seems to be uh, the strategy that I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push back on that. That that is a very, very safe Republican district. It was represented one time in the 1970s for for two terms by a a Democrat. His name um, um, eludes me, but uh, it was after Gerald Ford had been uh, named vice president. And he ran on a during the Watergate scandal, and this Democrat uh, ran on a platform of he would vote to impeach Nixon, 
and make Gerald Ford the uh, first president of the United States from Michigan. Right. Uh, but the the way the district is drawn, uh, I mean, it reaches into it reaches into it reaches into Battle Creek. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't quite get over to Kalamazoo, but I mean, it was drawn in a way that that I think again in comparison, it's actually drawn in a way to make some other Republican seats safer, um, right. even safer for <laughs> right. the Republican incumbents who held them at the expense of Justin Amash, but not at the expense of really making it, um, you know, anything that um, that that uh, the Democrats would target as a as a pickup. And, you know, really, why would they? Um, because, you know, Justin Amash is as uh, much a thorn in the side of the House Republican leadership <laughs> as any member of the uh, Democratic he conference. He certainly can be. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. Tell us, what do you think about Justin Amash, the representative from the western side of the state, Republican representative from the western side of the state? Uh, is his libertarian bent true to Republican values, or is he somebody who ought to be challenged by the Republican establishment to get somebody in there who would do more of what President Trump wants done? 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, go to the WDET Facebook page if you like and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Rick, I also want to ask you about uh, Senator Burt Johnson mm-hmm. from Highland Park here in southeast Michigan. A lot of hubbub about this raid on his office and his house. I, I, what was unusual about it, I guess, for me, was the high-profile nature of it. I mean, this is not the way they typically do these things. Uh, it got a lot of attention, and I thought maybe maybe that was intentional. Maybe uh, they were trying to send a message to someone other than Burt Johnson by doing that. Oh, that that maybe there's uh, someone who would uh, provide some more information. Yes, and uh, you know we're getting word that uh, you know um, uh, at least one uh, former staff member, maybe more, are uh, getting served with subpoenas. That uh, my understanding of how federal investigations work is that you know basically you raid on a search warrant when the subject of your investigation is no longer cooperating or they're afraid that um, someone is going to make off with, uh, you know, with key evidence. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the evidence that they were looking for in this case was primarily computers um, in his um, in his home and in his office. Well, what kind of trouble does this investigation, which we should point out, is it just an investigation? It, it is not mm-hmm. a charge. It's not an indictment. Uh, what kind of trouble does this portend for someone like uh, Senator Burt Johnson in Lansing or even inside the, the, the Democratic caucus? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, I, I don't think you can overstate the, you know, significance of being the target of a of a of a federal investigation. That that's that's just, you know, got to be, you know, first of all, very, you know, very very scary for him. Um, you know, uh, he's got a uh, spotty attendance record. Um, he uh, has not filed a campaign finance statement. We were talking about that uh, earlier mm-hmm. in. Uh, over a year. And so he's just, I mean, he's just got a lot of um, vulnerabilities, um, you know, when, when you're presented with a new challenge uh, like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think probably for him, one of the biggest things is, I don't think it's any secret that uh, 
Senator Johnson uh, sees himself as a natural successor um, if and when John Conyers decides to uh, sure. retire from, you know, from Congress. And certainly, you know, this, 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 uh, you know, was a torpedo into uh, those plans potentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rick Pluta. He's the State Capitol Bureau Chief for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Uh, we are talking about things going on in Lansing and Washington. We talked about $100,000 that has been reported missing from the State House Republican Campaign Committee's fund from last election. We talked about Representative Justin Amash from the Grand Rapids area, uh, the challenge that uh, some Trump officials say they want to mount to Justin Amash in 2018 because he didn't vote for the president's reform of the Health Reform Act. And we were just talking about Burt Johnson, Senator Burt Johnson from Highland Park here in southeast Michigan, apparently under federal investigation. If you want to join the conversation, talk about any of those subjects, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Rick, I want to uh, sort of pivot again here. Um, sure. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, and I have been for a while, about where the governor is. Uh, and, and I say that not in, in literal terms, but this is, a governor, this is a governor who, uh, for much of his term, was out there uh, sort of appearing in lots of places, talking about lots of things, uh, pushing uh, legislation through uh, the state legislature. He, he was a very active governor. Mm -hmm. he, he seems certainly at this point uh, less active and has for a while. I mean, some of that, I think, uh, owes to the the profound embarrassment and, uh, you know, even sadness that I think he felt as a result of the Flint water crisis, and he was sort of focused on that. But I, th I think it's almost impossible at this point not to, to sort of scratch your head and wonder where he is and what he's doing and what his agenda might look like for the next, uh, you know, 18 to 20, 20 months that he's got in office. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say less active as much as less public. And, um, you know, we don't know a great deal about the governor's schedule that, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, this administration tends to hold that information um, closer to the vest than uh, previous ones did. But it really seems like a lot of the public responsibilities of the job of governor um, have now fallen to Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly. Right. Of course, there's a lot of speculation as to, you know, why that might be, that, that, that maybe Rick Schneider no longer thinks that he's the most effective messenger for a lot of this stuff. But again, it's also no secret that um, Brian Kelly is widely believed to be preparing to run for governor, that uh, Rick Schneider um, heralds him as a partner in almost all of the administration's um, you know, major projects and initiatives. And um, you know, and, and he's you know leading plenty of task forces and things like that, prominent in the state's response to Flint. That that Callie is the one who's you know really getting out there uh, more and more often as the face of the administration. So so I, I think that's uh, that's something that I've heard 
as well, this speculation that uh, that Callie might be a, go- a, a gubernatorial candidate next year. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what you think about this uh, this sort of backdrop of Republican on Republican disagreement uh, in Washington mm-hmm. over, uh, you know, Trump versus uh, moderate Republicans, Trump versus the Freedom Caucus. Freedom Caucus. Uh, yeah. How does that sort of imprint on the coming discussion about uh, the governorship here? Brian Kelly would have to face uh, Bill Schuette, uh, the attorney mm-hmm. general, who I think has made it pretty clear that he also wants to run for governor. Would he be helped or harmed, I guess, by this question about who's really a Republican? Yeah, and, and I guess there are a couple of things that, I mean, Rick Snyder actually did position himself in that debate, and he's part of what used to be called the Sensible Center, yes. a group of governors who urged the Trump administration, who urged Congress not to do a um, wholesale repeal of the Affordable Care Act, but, you know, keep in place things like the Medicaid expansion, which, you know, Rick Snyder says in Michigan has been um, – you know, has been very, very successful. And so there are, you know, certainly going to be Republicans in Michigan who are looking at that and going like, no, we're all about repealing it. Remember the challenge that Rick Snyder had just getting that um, expansion through the legislature. That was a that was a huge, huge fight. I mean, there's a lot of political capital that he spent on that. uh, Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're we're going to see it. It's kind of interesting because we really don't know what the you know what the rules are like in the in 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 the Trump era that you know we saw this this huge shift in how things are how things usually happen in the 2016 election cycle and everyone has pre- kind of a variation on the same question which was is this was this a permanent change like the Reagan revolution right. or was this a one-off based on the fact that we had one really unusual candidate with a big personality in the field. Yeah. And you know, the 2018 elections are going to be the first big test of that. And, and Bill Schuette, who again is the attorney general now says he wants mm-hmm. to run for governor has been sort of unequivocal about well, his support. Well, has almost said he wants to run for yes, governor. Right. Well, since the 1980s, <laughs> really. to the very edge. <laughs> uh, but he's been unequivocal in his support for mm-hmm. Donald Trump and and for Trump's policies. Uh, is that He has been slightly equivocal that, that during the election, he didn't say he supported Trump. He he said I ride for the team. For the team, right. I I I go for whoever <laughs> the Republican nominee is. Although it is, you are you are absolutely correct that he has been a defender of Trump policies on um, environment and immigration yeah. since uh, since the election. And so, so does that inauguration does that allow him to to sort of carry forward this wave of enthusiasm in this state for Donald Trump and and what he's doing and sort of overwhelm someone like Brian mm-hmm. Kelly? The the opposite side of that question is. Uh, what does Brian Kelly have to do to sort of move Republicans back to that that center that helped elect Rick Snyder? Well, I mean, it's it's Bill Schuette is placing a bet that his loyalty to the Republican cause will be re- will will be rewarded in the upcoming primary season. That maybe even regardless of how people at that moment feel about Donald Trump, 
that he showed himself to be a loyal uh, Republican, especially you know when you look at how Brian Kelly handled himself in the last um, election season when he was um, against Trump uh, for Kasich, then he refused to endorse Trump, and then he finally endorsed Trump, then he unendorsed Trump, and then at the last minute he endorsed Trump again. And wow. you know, it's it's that kind of equivocation yeah. you know, typically doesn't sit well with the Republican base. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief for the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Stephen. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we're going to talk to legendary musician and producer Don Was about his return home to Detroit this week. Stay with us on Detroit Today.